welcome to season three of Book Solid. I'm your host, Soraya. If you listen to our season three update a few weeks slash months ago, you know that this season is running a little bit differently than our previous seasons. So it'll be just me for this one. And each episode, I'm going to have a different bookstagrammer or booktuber on as a guest. So I'm kicking off season three on Wahala by Nikki May. And I'm joined by bookstagrammer Jade from at Goodreads with Jade. Spoiler alert. Hey guys, just as a heads up, we will be revealing spoilers in this episode. If you haven't yet read the book or seen the show or film, this is a courteous reminder to proceed with caution. So Jade, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So we chose Wahala by Nikki May for our episode and... um, I'd really love to just kind of jump in and know what your overall thoughts were. Yeah, so I texted you, (laughs) like, when I was reading it. In the beginning, um, I think overall, I have some mixed feelings about it. Um, It took me, in the beginning, a while to get into it because the characters, I just didn't find them likable. Um, I found a lot of their actions cringeworthy, and I think it was hard for me to feel connected um but I also found it entertaining if that makes sense like I listened to it on um script but I alternated between the audiobook and like reading it physically and hearing like the accents and everything uh was entertaining and the thing about me is like I love (laughs) it's just like a guilty a guilty pleasure I guess but like I um I really like reality TV, like Housewives of Atlanta, Housewives of Potomac Valley. So for me, it was like Housewives of the UK. Like it was like so, <laughs> it was so messy. Um, so I think I was entertained, but there was just little instances here and there that just kind of made me like feel like, for example, I don't want to spoil it for anyone. Well, oh, we're, 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 we give like a notification that there's spoilers. So yeah, go on, go ahead. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Awesome. There was like, okay, so we know the girls, they're all mixed race, right? And the author is like light skinned, you know, so I think she's also mixed race. But I just felt like the little like, comments here and there were just very like colorist. And then like, anti black, like it was just like, like, I kind of felt like they were put putting themselves on a pedestal because of their skin tone. And like, there was also like, remarks made here and there about like Nigerian men and I felt like for me like I was just like I don't see the purpose of including this in the book and it just wasn't like it wasn't condemned at any point in time absolutely um and I know like I I watched like the author Nikki May um she's like she talked about like how she wanted to see um herself in a novel um because she's Nigerian and I was just like is this how you see yourself I don't know like it was just it was just weird for me like so I think those little things just kind of kept it from being like a four or five star read for me like I just felt like there should have been moments of hey this isn't okay like it was just all the characters have that kind of energy and so you know yeah I I could not agree more like 
I definitely had higher hopes for this book. Like, I don't know, the premise just seemed really interesting. And you saying it reminded you of like reality TV in a way. I think I saw, I know this is not a reality show, but it has the same kind of like drama. It was pitched as like Anglo-Nigerian women, but it's like a sex in the city feel or something of right. that nature. And I was like, ooh, okay, I'm here for like the drama. And it's like, I just was expecting it to be something else. And I ultimately like... There were parts, I'm not going to lie, where it was honestly really difficult for me to get through certain chapters, like Boo's mm -hmm. chapters. Oh, oh my goodness, girl. she is the worst. And I'm so glad you touched on the colorism because I put that in my notes. I wrote, I, we have to talk about the colorism and the role it plays in the yeah. book because a lot of them feed into it. Simi and Boo really feed into it. And I feel like they both believe themselves to be better than black women because she talks about her hair being looser or her complexion being lighter and how they can like leverage themselves above other black women. And I thought, because like it's evident that Boo has a lot of internalized racism about her father, like abandoning her as a baby. And so therefore in her eyes, all Nigerian men are bad, which like, whoa, we need to unpack that. But I thought maybe like throughout the course of the book, it would be something that she like reconciles with and she grows and changes from, but she doesn't. And I, I actually feel like Boo's storyline was not wrapped up well at all. And I, she's just going to continue going on the way that she always has been. Dude, Boo was the worst. I Every time her chapter would come up, I would be like, I want to skip this. Because the amount of times she would play the victim card, oh I was gosh. like, girl, you are the problem. If everyone's <laughs> like, a problem, you're the problem. <laughs> she always found a way to, like, make herself, yeah, like, the victim. Like I, And that was really bothersome for me because it was, like, the disdain that she felt towards her daughter and her husband. I just felt like that was like, maybe that's a norm for a lot of people, right? But at the same time, like it was just, like there was no character growth. For me, that's why I felt like at the end, it was like, I need to go see my husband and my daughter. But where did this even come from? Like there was no like internal work or any kind of like acknowledgement of like, dang, I messed up or like, that like the way I treated my my child and my husband was messed up. Like you know, there yeah. was no acknowledgement. So I felt like there were like things like towards the end, it felt rushed very much. And so it was hard for me to like like when I finished the book, I was like, okay. And on top of that, like you mentioned, like a lot of people described it as being like a Sex in the City kind of vibe, right? Like chiclet, like mm -hmm. you know light kind of read but then out of nowhere it's like thriller suspense type uh, and yeah, you're like, I was like where did this what? come from because i mean we all know we all know isabel's tricks and games which that was another thing i'm like how do you guys not see that she is playing you for the fool right now like it was driving me insane oh and like i'm not trying to blame them for like being targeted by her but the stuff she was saying and doing oh 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 that's a whole nother thing so they're supposed to be best friends and I mean, it, I wish we could have seen what their group was like before Isabel, because like the very first chapter is Isabel being introduced to the group. So we have no idea what their dynamic was like, but they claim to be best friends. They claim to like be ride or die. Like I will do anything for them. The stuff they say to each other is horrible. I would never talk to my best friends that way, even if I was upset with I them. Know. And they justify it in their head. Like I just couldn't help it or I'm just having a bad day. But they say yeah. like their constant fixation on Ronke. That's how you pronounce it, right? 
Because I yeah, yeah I was, I'm going to keep referring to Jade because she listened to it on audio. Um, but their <laughs> like fixation on her weight when Ronke herself didn't really seem like that worried about it. Like I'm trying to remember if she said anything about seeming self conscious, and I feel like more so it just was comments directed at her from Isabel or from Simi or from Boo, and um. It's just like the cheap shots they constantly felt like they had to take. And just going back to Boo really quickly, because I know that's kind of who we were dissecting. She really tried so hard to act like she carried the entire weight of this family. And I love there was a point in like like three quarters of the way through the book. And I think it was Ronke who kind of like called uh, Boo out. And she was like, I really don't know what she's complaining about because Didier does like half of the, or he does all the cooking. He does all the cooking. They split their child rearing of Sophia completely down the middle. Like he's always trying and his patience with her. Oh my God. I have never seen oh someone God. have so much patience with somebody because was my, the only character I like, yes, like he, <laughs> like the only one, <laughs> she would treat him like dirt and he would be like, what's wrong? How can I help? He would go cook her dinner. He would like try so hard to figure out what was going on with her and her response was to cheat on him and then snap at him because she felt guilty-ish for cheating on him. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there was this one scene, I can't remember if it was Boo or or Simi, but Ronke had called, I think it was Boo actually, she called her out and then she like tore her to shreds like in the restaurant do you remember that scene and oh when she like, confessed to cheating and she thought she was like ronke will be sweet and supportive and she'll like hold my hand through this and ronke was like um no yeah it was like horrible and then i was that was for me because this like you said that they were best friends their relationships i'm like are you do you guys even like each other Honestly. because the way she tore into her i was reading like but okay, the, the listeners can't see my face. My jaw hit the floor because she called her out of her name, and then they were just like, "Okay, like let's keep eating." And I oh, was like, "Are you talking about this what? Simi and Ronke scene?" Yeah, oh, I, I can't remember which the, two. I was thinking of the Boo and Ronke one. Yes, yeah, Simi with the way and like Ronke's crying, and she was like, "Stop crying! It's just making me more upset." Like she was being vicious to her, just out of line, out of pocket. Horrible. Okay, so it was Simi, but it was one it was one of the girls that tore into her. You remember like she was just like ripping her apart oh, yeah. and like and they just sat there and ate. Like I was like, this is not real this is not realistic to me. Like if my friend talked to me like that, I would have absolutely gotten up and left. Yeah. Like, there's no way and she was apologizing to, like, to her she was like oh i'm s-. like after they finally reconciled from that conversation she was like i'm sorry i shouldn't have pushed you and made you snap oh girl what no i'm gonna need you to have a little bit of self-respect because no one deserves to be talked to like that and because there was like kind of not as bad of a confrontation because ronke is not like as hot-headed as the other two it seems but when boo confessed to ronke that she had cheated And they were in the middle of a fight and she thought that Boo had called her there to apologize because she said all that stuff at the party for Isabel's um, niece. And she straight up was like, what I'm going through is more important than the fact that I hurt your feelings. So I need you to be there for me. Like, that's basically what she said to her. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I don't know. Their their relationship was very toxic. And for me, like, I don't know. I just didn't see, like, their bond wasn't, 
it was too easy for Isabel to come in there and plant mm -hmm. so many different seeds. And for me, my biggest... Okay, so I know this is a very popular trope, like the miscommunication thing, right? For me, I really heavily dislike that because I'm just yeah. like... Oh my gosh, yes, yes, yes. The yes. whole plot is just miscommunication. Like, if there had just been a sit-down conversation, 50% of the book would not have this type of issues you know like for me that especially if you're best friends and something that I do want to get your thoughts on is because this to me was confusing because I was like if she's known her if she's an old friend right like Isabel's an old friend of Simmy's right mm -hmm. wouldn't she kind of know her games her, her tricks her games her tricks the way she moves so when things start getting a little fishy it's like okay like we're seeing a pattern here that was something that for me, I was like, I thought they were good friends. So in my mind, I'd be like, if things started happening, I would be like, wait a minute, I know how you move. So we need to talk about this. Do you know what I mean? Yes, like, it was exactly. just too... How are they not like, huh, everything was fine until this girl started hanging out with us. Now everyone low-key <laughs> hates each other. Gee, I wonder what? what's going on. Also, love that you said that about miscommunication because in a different episode, Indy and I talked about that. I can't remember for what book it was. But I think that is such lazy writing. Like, I understand mm, it creates conflict. Yes. It creates drama. It moves the plot. But just be original because miscommunication as a trope is just, it's, it's overdone. It's boring to me. And it makes Absolutely. me so angry. Like yeah. having to read through that whole portion where they all thought that Ronke like blew up their relationships. Yeah. I was like, we all know they're going to figure it out. So can we just get to that part, please? Because I'm annoyed. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And it wasn't until like the very end, which, you know, it works for some books, some books. It, it honestly doesn't. If that's the majority of the conflict, just miscommunication. Like I don't mind it here and there but the whole story was like from start to end you know was the whole miscommunication thing and i honestly would have liked to have seen i don't know coyote i hope i'm saying that right sorry if i'm not had such like unanswered like i felt like i needed more answers about him because it was very up in the air and i don't know like, if he was telling the truth or, you know what I'm saying? Like, it just felt like I, I needed some more clarity in regards to that situation. And then he died. Yeah. And I was like, like what? <laughs> they built it up to be this big thing. Like, there's some history with him and Isabel. And he's not telling Ronke the full truth. But then we as, like, the audience never really got that full truth. Right. And him dying, I was, I mean, like, it got me. I guess that was the point, you know, to be um this huge plot twist but like like you were saying before it felt like all of that happened in the last 15 pages of the book right and i'm like whoa 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 hold <laughs> on like you're dropping this bomb that coyote is dead that isabel is simi's or boo's half sister yeah ronke's dad was actually murdered like all of these things and then the book just ends and like Oh, Boo and Mar er, Didier's marriage is on the rocks. Martin's not talking to Simi. And then we get an epilogue that says Martin and Simi moved to London and they're happy and fine. And Didier or Didier and Boo are in counseling and they're fine. Like, I don't know. It was just like that epilogue was nothing. It gave us nothing. Yeah. Which is hard because I'm like, I'm the kind of reader who likes having these questions answered. And I know some people love to kind of you know 
have it open to interpretation. But I think with the structure of the book, we just needed those kinds of answers because they're it big started things. to become suspense. Yeah, they're big things. It started to become suspense towards the end of the book. And the thing about suspense is like you need those, you need to come full circle, you know? Because if not, you're kind of like... Just leaving people, like you hit that climax and then you never give the reader the resolution. Right. And I'm not a huge fan of stuff that's left open to interpretation because I'm not a writer. I read the book for a full and complete story. Please give me a full and complete story. (laughs) And this, like you said, it's just not the kind of book that works well with that kind of ending. Like I have seen it done well and like where I haven't been mad about it, but this just felt like, what was the point? Yeah. I think if it had, if she had stuck to like the genre, um, from the beginning mm-hmm. and didn't like turn it to suspense. I think it would be okay that epilogue, but because it wasn't like towards the end, then we were kind of left wanting more, you know, because yeah. it's like you said, like the last 15 pages, it got very like, she's, ki- she killed him. What? Like, how do we get here? Like, you know, so <laughs> it's just, yeah. And- Isabel, okay, I wrote in my notes that the way the way they're constantly making excuses for her behavior was really annoying to me. Like, sometimes Simi would be like, oh, like, it would seem like she was picking up on uh, Isabel's scheming. Like, she'd be like, oh, I know she creates drama when she's feeling neglected, or oh, I know that she's, that she's bad at keeping secrets or whatever. And so, like... Boo told Isabel that she cheated on Didier. She found out that Boo told them, but then like still kept hanging out with Isabel. Like they just kept forgiving her manipulation and her lying. And I was like, I would remove myself from this person so fast. I don't care if she keeps calling me. I don't care if she keeps trying to like be in my life. Also, Ronke's stalker, that just like stopped being a thing. I thought that was going to... What was that about? That was so weird. It was like a weird red herring because the entire book, I kept thinking that that prologue scene was going to have something to do with Ronke's stalker of like the person's, whatever that scene was of like their jumpsuit is ripped or something and they're calling somebody for help. Um, I thought that was going to end up being Ronke and like her stalker tried to attack her or something. And then it's also never cleared up what that scene is. I think it's when Isabel was going to kill Coyote, but. Mm, okay. I think so. It, it, and that was the thing. Like it seemed super, like it escalated so much and I don't know why like what was the breaking point for Isabel for it to be like well now I'm gonna kill him because she knew from the get-go that Ronke was with Coyote so why is it now like I'm gonna kill him you know and she was like it was revenge like when Ronke confronts her she says something like did you really think I was gonna let you have him and not give you the revenge you deserve and I'm like you already (laughs) killed her dad because of the affair yeah. like now what is this revenge for her ha- like just so happening to date somebody that you used to date mm. like I don't, i'm confused yeah <laughs> i don't get it like isabel it just seems like she just snapped at the very end for no reason and it wasn't the character that we were like i knew she was manip- manipulative mm. i knew she was kind of unhinged i knew she was a liar but she didn't seem capable of murder yeah you know i was thinking how would you have felt about a Isabel point of view like throughout the story 
I kind of wish that we would have gotten maybe even just one to try to understand her motivations a little bit better. Because if it's just the fact that Ronke's dad had an affair with her mom, like 25 years ago, this seems excessive. They already like they already killed Ronke's dad and destroyed Simi's family and like they lost all their wealth. Like you're really going so hard to try to manipulate all of these women's lives now. Like she's pressed about Boo being her half sister, which Boo doesn't even know. So again, why do you care? Like, yeah, yeah. I think it would have definitely um, given her a little bit more depth. I think. Um, Cause it seems like there was like the interactions was, were very surfacey, but we, she was involved so much throughout the book, you know? So I think having a point of view from her for her would be very helpful uh, for the readers to like, understand like the motive and like why she feels so strongly to understand her rage so that her actions just didn't seem random random. petty just (laughs) petty for like no reason um so i think that definitely would have helped understand her a little bit better especially if like the beginning the aftermath was about from her point of view you know for sure and i i want to talk about didier and boo because like he should have i him forgiving her for that I don't know how realistic that is. I mean, like we said, he's an incredibly patient person and we've seen that all throughout the book and he seemed to really love her. But yeah. it was like the affair coupled with the horrible stuff that she said about him. Like, I don't know if I could forgive my partner if I knew that those were the kinds of things they were saying about me behind my back and thinking it was funny. Like, how do you ever trust them again in so right. many ways? Yeah, his reaction was definitely very... Um underwhelming like the hurt wasn't necessarily there like it was just when he left when he did I was like wow like that took longer than I than I expected Mm -hmm. because like you said like she was very horrible towards him and so his reaction was very like he was almost expecting it so maybe because he kind of suspected it because you remember he asked Ronke if he if um Boo was having an affair. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like he kind of suspected that she was, and maybe, like, he had already come to terms with it a little bit. Like, he wasn't surprised yeah, when he I found out. That. I can see that. So maybe that's why his reaction wasn't as, like, volatile, because it was like, I, f- I figured, because she's been distant. So, yeah, but you're right. He had so much patience with her. Um, and I felt bad for Sophia because she was, so she was in the middle. Daughter. I know. Like, <laughs> she was dang. always snapping on her. She was always snapping on her and just very resentful, um, I think, of the life that she led because every, every chance she got, she would just talk bad about her husband and daughter. And I was like, that's just... That was weird to me. All of them had like trash personalities. Like, they, Ronke, so um, like she, yeah, she was the only one where I was like, mm, okay, yeah. <laughs> but and that's the thing about Boo that was irritating to me too is like I understand that. Sorry, there's like a bug flying around here. No, um, you're good. <laughs> I understand that you know her life is now different than it was before of having to be held accountable to another person and take care of someone. I understand like how exhausting that can be and just 
reconciling with the fact that your life is no different. But children don't ask to be born. You know what I mean? They made a conscious decision to have a child. And so for her to like take her anger out on Sophia all the time because she's, you know, upset with the way things are right now is just incredibly unfair. She made that girl cry like three or four different times throughout the book. I know. And Didier will always come like at the moment when she was getting on her and it would just be so like hurtful. I'm like, I don't know. It was just way too easy for Isabel to come in and like wreck havoc. Like it did not take much at all. It literally didn't. I think like from the second time they all met with her, things just started getting so messy just so messy and and i was surprised with ronke because she was the only person that was kind of skeptical and just didn't like her i was like what was what like what happened there because why do you keep being around her (laughs) right it's like she literally did not trust her but like towards the end she like suddenly did like she was like here take my phone here like it was just very oh my gosh that scene as soon as she she was like can i borrow your phone i was like this is not going to end well (laughs) not at all not at all that was crazy like i was like you went from literally not trusting at her at all to just giving her her phone and it's really funny because like you i kind of went into this book blind um i knew like how people had described it like the whole sex in the city kind of thing i kind of tried to go in neutral with books that are like very popular and i only had heard like either really bad things or really good things like there was hardly any for this one yeah for this book okay so a lot of people either hated it or like really loved it so i was just like oh hey like let me see what this is about you know it seems like a light read um but i will say one thing about this book that i actually liked was the the culture like the nigerian culture like that was really entertaining for me like i just loved reading just about the different foods and the phrases And just, I don't know, like, I just thought that the representation was really cool to see. um, Because you don't see that a lot. That was something that I have to say is positive about this book. Because I was like, okay, I I didn't completely hate it, guys. Like, I want to put that out there that there was some things in here that I think she did a good job of. Um, I think she can, she wrote a story that was, like, entertaining and, like, I didn't, I didn't want to put it down. Like, I was actually interested to see what happened next. Yeah. I wanted to highlight that as a positive aspect of the book is that they're, like, the the Nigerian culture aspects of it were very much at the forefront, and I liked that a lot. And like you said, it's not something we see a lot. And that was the first note that I put in this book before I had time to dislike the characters. But I said, like, I love seeing women of color just living their lives. Like, it's becoming more common in stories, but I feel like... For a while, a lot of fiction with black characters or characters of color was centered around trauma. And you don't get stories of them just being like, there's stories of like all white women, just like, whatever, like big little lies, shows like Sex in the City, stuff like that. Like it's centered around things other than their ethnicity. And so I was really excited that that's what we were getting with this book. And it was... I know I critiqued Boo and Simi before for like leveraging their mixed race background as like making them better than other women. I will say it feels like Ronke kind of rejected that idea much more than them. I never heard her say anything about like being better than because she's mixed and she was the one who was definitely the most like I don't want to say passionate but like the 
most interested in her Nigerian heritage and keeping that alive. Right. Like Like she would cook. She would. Yeah. And like keeping that a huge part of her life, even though she doesn't live in Nigeria anymore. And so I really enjoyed that in Ronke's character. And I feel like that's something that made me like her even more because even when Boo would make comments or Isabel would make comments about Nigerian men or certain things, like she just was always not having it. (laughs) Right. Right. Like I think that Ronke out of all of them was probably the most likable the thing about Ronke, mm-hmm. it was just like girl you were getting stepped all over and you need to stand up for yourself you need yeah. to stand up for yourself that was the part that was so hard for me especially with like her relationship this joker mm-hmm. was wasting her the time the scene where he tried to force himself on her they should have been done that should have been over done so oh, done with goodbye my goodness but I was so happy that she stood up for herself because I was not expecting. I thought she was just kind of given. She deserves better. She deserved a like, lot more. <laughs> better friends, better partners. Yeah. And I just, one thing that bothers me is like at the end of the book is when we finally see her truly stand up for herself. She she was like, even, she tells Coyote, like, even though you weren't cheating on me with Isabel, you still didn't trust me enough to be honest with me. And I can't stand for that. But I hate that the one time she sticks up for herself, then he dies. And the last thing she said to him was, I don't love you anymore. Yeah. So I'm like, we're using the one time that she had the the courage to finally speak her mind and like put her boundaries down. She gets punished Yeah. in the sense that he's now dead and she didn't get to like have any kind of they didn't have to get back together, but that's just always going to be the memory now is the last thing I told him was I don't love him and he died. Yeah. That is like one thing that I just didn't understand why it needed to happen. It just seemed like such a throwaway scene, you know, like it was just like, he really did just not for some drama. Yeah. Just for drama. Like it just, I felt like when I got to that point, I was like, did I skip something? Like there, there was just a b- complete breakdown like, I feel like we missed or something because Isabel was not giving murder vibes or, you know, like psychotic vibes at all. Like she was just giving like vindictive and just messy vibes the whole book. So when that happened, it's just like, okay, did this really have to happen? You know? Yeah. I was thinking we're just going to get like messy like gossip girl drama kind of messy yeah. or something like that like like no one's dying well I don't know do people die in gossip girl I have no idea but <laughs> um it's just like the stakes I didn't expect them to be so high and this book is marketed as just a contemporary fiction novel if I'm not mistaken mm-hmm. um so it just was like three quarters of the way through it was like psych it's actually a mystery thriller switch genres on you which you know it's fine I like mysteries and thrillers but I just want more. Oh, I would have loved to know, like, how Martin and Simi ended up just being, like, A-okay, even though she lied to him for over a year or whatever that was. Oh, my gosh. That was... I... What? That was messed up. That was something that I was just, like, I can. How do you forgive that? And how How do you trust that person again? I, I have no idea because I felt like it was such a betrayal it was such a betrayal and that was the thing like I felt like the reactions were very like not normal like not realistic in a sense if you find out your partner was lying to you like that for that long of a time there would have to be some kind of like 
don't know, acknowledgement of that. Like, it was just so weird that it went from like, oh, okay, here we are now, epilogue. Everything's happy and dandy, you know? It was if they're like, in New York living their best right, life. Right, like, what? it's like, wait, did they go to therapy? <laughs> like, did they talk through these things? Like, what's the plan? And they're still friends despite all of this, like... I don't know. Like, I was just like... That was wild to me, too. I was like, y'all are so kicking it with each other, but... And again, like, that's why I really wish we would have gotten just a few chapters of them pre-Isabel. Because, like, I have no frame of reference for their friendship. And they keep, like, alluding to moments from the past of, like, them helping Ronke get over her breakups. Or, you know, being there with each other through the weddings and through the this and the that. But... It seems like when it comes to the big stuff, they don't trust each other enough to share with them. Like, see me not telling them that she dropped out of school and just pretending to still be going for months. Or they're comforting Ronke through these breakups, but then behind her back saying, yeah, she likes she likes when people treat her like crap. She keeps doing this to herself. Like, they're not good people at all. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was, it was really weird because it's like... I, okay, because I do believe that people have these kinds of friendships like I believe that people are putting up with these kinds of things like in their relationships but it was just so toxic like I can't I couldn't agree with any any of the things that happen from the characters like it was just like y'all are petty and messy and I I don't understand why you guys are friends like the hurtful things that they when um they were at um Isabel's niece's party, I think. Was that her niece's party? Oh, And she overheard them talking about her. A true friend doesn't do that. And Boo didn't even care. Boo didn't even, like, Simi at least, she was like, oh, I'm so drunk. You know, she didn't remember what she said, but she tried to apologize. Like, she went over with her favorite foods and some, like, chick flicks and tried to, you know, be, like, make an apology of some kind. But Boo never apologized for that, ever. And in fact, like, almost got annoyed with Ronke for being upset yeah, about it. Yeah, and ex- she had expected an apology, but she didn't get one. And so it's like, how do you how do you come back from that? Like, these people are continuously disrespecting you and showing you that they, how they view you. And it's like, it's interesting because I'm, I don't like have to love the character, but like, when their actions are so repeatedly disgusting like this like I just cannot rationalize anything and it's harder for me to enjoy the story but I know for some people they like the morally gray characters you know that do really questionable things but and I I think there can be likable or tolerable morally gray characters like I know everyone talks about like the morally morally gray character I think of is like Evelyn Hugo I don't know if you've seven husbands like that's one that but I didn't hate her like the way I like hated reading Boo's chapters or like you know it just was like they just had no redeemable qualities whatsoever to counteract the awfulness and so I think that was just something that was just really frustrating me throughout the novel and then oh shoot I totally lost my train of thought on that other thing oh now I remember 
Yes. It's this book, and this is like no shade to the genre because I I like YA as like as much as the next person. I really do enjoy YA. But the behaviors of these characters and like the circumstances, like I don't know, this felt like it could have just easily been a YA book yes, taking place absolutely. in like a boarding school in London and not with like 35-year-old adult women. Like it just felt really immature at times very much so i agree with you that's that definitely crossed my mind as i was reading like they were very immature in how they thought how they handled situations the lack of communication and that's why it makes it so hard for me to enjoy books like that because i mean i'm 23 years old so i mean i i've had those friendships where there's the mess in there you know so I can see how these things can happen, but the fact that it was happening so consistently and back to back, like there wasn't like a situation where it would be like handled, like it was handled better. Like it was just consistently. I mean, mm-hmm. you did talk about um, when, um, which one was it? Simi brought the flowers to Ronke. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, that was nice and everything, but it was just so many betrayals throughout the book that... That was the only instance of somebody It was like the only instance. And so it's kind of just like, okay, at a point, it gets tired. It gets very tired. And there needs to be some... I like books with character growth, personally. Yes, and these characters were very flat. They lacked depth. And I'm not trying to like act like when you're a certain age, you have to act a certain way. No. No, I, like, I'm saying like, that. Yes, absolutely. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm 25, and I could not imagine dealing with this kind of tomfoolery, let alone at 35. I don't have the time, the patience, the energy. Like, this is some childish stuff. I'm sorry. It's unacceptable. Like, at this age... Like, y'all should be in a completely different mind frame. Like, it's it's unrealistic. It's unrealistic that people are acting like this in their 30s. I don't know. We'll <laughs> see when we get to our 30s. I pray to God it's not like this. Like, I'm sorry, but they were just so messy and vindictive. And I'm I'm convinced they didn't like each other. Like, someone... It does how it seems. Me. And I know, like, people are going to be like, well, if there was no drama, there'd be no story. I get that. I understand that. I'm not trying to say there shouldn't have been any drama. It's just, like, we saw nothing. It was 377 pages of people being absolutely horrible to each other with no breaks. Yeah. Okay? (laughs) So, like, I'm all for drama, but just give me some realistic drama. Make it seem like these are conversations people can actually have with each other because, oh, it was just... It was a lot. Yeah, I think you're right, Soraya. Like, if this had been a YA novel, I think it would have been a little bit more bearable because I definitely could see how this could take place in high school and just the immaturity, how it was continued throughout the story. Like, I I think it was, like, unrealistic for me personally, from my, like, lens, the way that it continued, you know? Yeah, and and I think those communication issues we talked about could make sense if they were younger. Because, like, I remember being a teenager and my communication skills were not the best. Like, if I was upset about something, I was not going to tell people about it. Like, if if my friend did something to make me mad, that like, is that bad of me? Yeah, but I was 15 and so I was like, oh, I'm just going to not say anything and then eventually I'll get over it because I don't want to have, like, a huge blowout or whatever. Like, you just do stuff as, like, a teenager that maybe as an adult and you have, like, more 
emotional maturity you would handle differently. So I think it would kind of excuse or explain some of their behavior a little yeah, bit better. Absolutely. I think it would be a cool show. Like if they made a yeah, show out yeah. of this, like I might watch it. I don't know. <laughs> but as far as reading, like if they gave up a holiday part two, I'd be like, I'm done. No, thanks. <laughs> it was too much. Unless Boo has had, like, a complete, like, personality transplant, right. I cannot do it. No, Boo, oh, gosh. Bless her heart. She was just not, mm-mm. We always like to ask, well, we've done it a few times, but I want to make it a more regular thing. If you would recommend it, I know we kind of touched on that, and then, like, what what is your rating of it? Okay, so I gave this book a 3.25. Um, I personally would not go out of my way to recommend this book because when I recommend a book, I want to have recommended it because I loved it and I couldn't put it down. And I saw zero, little to to no flaws, right, Um, in the story. There was just so many things that I could just not get behind, um... To just be like, yeah, everyone should go read this book. You know, like, I I think I finished it and I was like, okay, that was a ride. But there was so many different things here and there that prevented me from giving it a four or five star. You know what I mean? Um, And like we talked about, like, I think there was more cons than there were pros. Um, So personally, I didn't think it was a horrible book. Like, if it was horrible... I wouldn't have been able to finish it probably. Um, And then I would have definitely, like if I did finish it, it would be literally me forcing myself to finish it, you know? And I didn't feel those things. So that's why I gave it a three stars. And I do think that she did do a good job of creating a story. Now, did I like how she wrapped up the story? No, but there was still that effort. And I know that this is a debut novel. So I try to be a little bit more gracious and, understanding like okay like it was kind of choppy here and there but she did make a book that like was entertaining for me as well so yes and no (laughs) for me as far as recommending it to someone what about you I think that's a a fair analysis yeah I I ended up giving it a 2.75 so it's a little (laughs) harsher but it just was like, cause I did like towards the end, I was kind of dragging my feet in finishing it just because like booze chapters were so hard for me to get through. I was getting frustrated with like the lack of communication coming to a head. I was like, I don't want to deal with this. Like I get stressed out. Like I'm like, if everyone would just speak to each other, everything could be okay. Um, so yeah, I did end up giving it 2.75. And like you said, like when I recommend a book, my recommendation means a a lot to me, like, because that person, if they don't enjoy it, they're not going to trust my recommendation again. (laughs) So like a lot of thought goes into what I'm willing to recommend. So like, like you, I would not go out of my way to recommend it. If my friend told me she was going to read it, I would be like, you know, yeah, like, I'd love to hear your opinion on it because whether it's the same or different from mine, I feel like there's a conversation to be had. But if they're like, at the store and they send me three books and they're like, which one? And Wahala is one of them. I'm not picking that one. (laughs) That's kind of where I stand with it. Yeah. Yeah. I think honestly that this book and I think on, okay. So I did listen to some parts on audio, right? 
So I think hearing the accent, the Nigerian accent, the Brit like slash British accent did make it like more entertaining for me than if I had read it straight I totally through, I that. think personally, because it made it more like, Ooh, like, okay, I'm hearing the tone. I'm hearing the inflections. You know what I'm saying? If I had just read it straight through like on the physical copy, I might've had a completely different experience and given it a lower <laughs> rating, you yeah, know, no, I but I think, <laughs> Yeah, I, I definitely I was, I was just gonna say I think audiobooks like can make or break a book because like to like for Daisy Jones and the Six I read it and I was like this is fine but people on the internet go nuts for that book and everyone like a lot of them say the audiobook is incredible and maybe that's why and then I, I listened to um, over the summer uh, the last thing he told me by Laura Dave, because like that was blowing up everywhere. That na- that book sounds so familiar. The last thing he told me, what? It's about. I'm so bad at summarizing books, which is crazy because like that's what we do. <laughs> but um, it's like this woman, her husband disappears, and he leaves her a note. <gasps> oh, like, okay, yes, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. I've I've seen. I've definitely seen that book. Okay, and you said you liked so, it. So. I listened to it on audio and I really liked the narrator's voice and I feel like that compelled me to keep going. But I did have the thought when I was listening that if I had just been reading it, I don't think I'd feel the same way. Like I like I ultimately liked it, but I felt like reading it, it would have been well, like I just it would have changed my feelings and I would have have given it given it as high of a rating. So I feel like those definitely play a role. Right. I think audiobooks brings a book to life, you know, yes, because if you're just does. reading it, it's just like your own voice. But hearing the different voices and, you know, it just makes it gives it a different experience. So if you want to read Wahala, I recommend the audiobook for sure. Um, if it's on your your TBR list, um, because I, I actually enjoyed it. And it was cool to hear the like British accents and the correct pronunciations of things, because um, I definitely too. butchered it in my mind. <laughs> but yeah. I'm going to piggyback off of that because I think I kept wishing I had listened to it on audio when I was reading because I was like, man, I really want to know like the proper way to say this food or this word or these characters names. And I think, like you said, it would have brought it to life in a different way for sure. Yeah. And I definitely I don't know if I'm feeling a little um, if I'm feeling bold, I might try out these recipes on the back. Yes, because that food sounded good. I know. (laughs) I have yet to try like I want to try like African like maybe, you know, Nigerian, I don't know, whatever is nearby, but like, it looks good and it sounds good. So it does, it does. But I don't want to make it before I actually try it for the first time because I, I need to make sure I'm making it correctly. <laughs> That's I need, I'm, I'm really glad we chose this one, even though we didn't love it. I feel like it just gives some variety because most of the stuff we cover on the podcast, we end up loving. And I feel like whether you love something or you don't, it's equally as important to critique it and talk about it. So I'm glad we chose it. And I really appreciate you taking the time to do this with me. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me on here. I mean, this book, you're not going to love every book you read. And I, I think that's what makes it so cool is that, you know, different readers, different genres. I mean, this isn't my preferred genre, uh, but I'm definitely glad that I read it, you know. Um, and I think that it's cool to also be able to talk through this book with you because I had so many different thoughts and it, it was the perfect book, I think, to like talk about with you because Absolutely, there was just yeah. so many 
things in my mind that I was like, okay, like I just need to talk about this because <laughs> it's not making sense to me. But <laughs> there's a lot to unpack. Yeah, there's a li- there's a lot to unpack. So I'm I'm so happy that you had me here. Thank you for bringing me on. Of course.